Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. And today we are um, the first day of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And I just wanted to start off by uh, telling everyone that there's many things that we can do to drive cybersecurity awareness. Some of that is exposing new individuals to this industry. Earlier today, uh, some of my favorite James shared, I am cyber safe, which is from the National Institute uh, sorry, um, which is from um, the Cyber Safety Institute. And I want to share that out today and drive everyone, encourage everyone to participate with their local uh, school boards, with their local schools to drive cybersecurity awareness at that level. I'm going to share the link for that in the chat for everyone while our uh, guest joins us and um, continue the conversation with them shortly. For others, um, have that dialogue with your school, with the teachers, with everyone uh, that you can, because it is critical to drive that awareness at all levels. And once we start driving that awareness to the students and the kids, they can then be open to joining the cybersecurity field as an industry when they grow up. Because most of the times, individuals have selected the industry that they want to join by before the time that they're in high school, maybe, or by the time that they're graduating high school. So we need to make them aware a lot sooner. If you have questions, feel free to join us in the chat, um, whether on LinkedIn or on YouTube. You can submit your comments. We can answer your questions directly. Um, so just go ahead and do that. Um, another thing that I want to, to mention since this National Cybersecurity Awareness Month is that it is uh, critical for you to have safe hygiene practices, whether you're at, you're at home, you're at work, you're at school, and that could be things like enabling multi-factor authentication, um, having complex passwords that you can remember, uh, using a password manager, not clicking on links that you're not sure of, um, there's a lot of smishing going around, and that is SMS-based phishing, where it will say something like, you have a package from FedEx, and to track, to track it, click on this link, but it's a phishing link. Um, so be, be careful of those types of links. You'll also get them in email, but email providers are getting in front of a lot of those and getting them to the spam folder. But if they do make it to your inbox, um, be careful with them. If it's from someone that you think you know who they are, reach out to them on another line of communication and ask them if they sent that just so that you could verify the link. Um, those are some of the things that you can do 
to remain cyber safe and cyber aware. Um, another thing that I would mention is ensure that you stay up to date in patching. Um, if you're an iOS user, they've released lots of updates recently due to known zero days that were released. So ensure that you pick those up. Some of those zero days don't even require any interaction um, from the user. If they're opened even on the device, uh, they can they can cause things like that. So um, ensure that you update your devices, Android, iOS, Windows, Macs, um, update them. Um, let me check in with my guest one second. That's a that's the interesting thing about going live and having live shows is that we do rely on on everything to run on time. Um, so in the meantime, happy to answer any questions from our audience, whether that's on LinkedIn. Looks like we have Hector. Thanks for joining. We have Anna. Thanks for joining. Sterling. Thanks for joining. It's owned. Good afternoon to you too. Um, earlier, I shared that I am safe link. Um, that's the link that you can recommend that you share with uh, your local schools. They they work with those schools to be able to drive cyber cyber awareness into the schools, um, or you can help drive something with your particular students. Have a conversation with your students. Um, I know my son is around the age where he's playing Minecraft. So we're having that conversation about what might be safe and unsafe with to talk with online during Minecraft. He he thinks he could be talking to another child his age, but um, it could be someone else pretending to be someone else. Uh, one other questions from the audience. Can you say a few words on, on a Pegasus software? Um, the, the the Pegasus software is, hmm, how should we start this? Um, let me let me get back to you there, buddy. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more on the Pegasus software. Um, because there's so many variants of different malwares going around. Want to make sure I'm talking to the right one. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so uh, that, that's where you mentioned it. So Pegasus Software is from the um, NSO group. Um, yes, definitely. Uh, if they're using one of those known iOS vulnerabilities where you don't even need to have a link because they're relying on the iOS software to uh, try to create a preview of that link or of that website for you. And through that, that's how you're um, exploiting that vulnerability. Um, NSO Group is a known group that works with governments to surveil um, populations and they've they've known to 
to create several versions of software that works specifically targeting the iOS uh, platform. Another question from uh, Tegan. Hey, Chris, thanks for that tidbit. Um, thanks for joining us, Tegan. Uh, sorry, Tyrone um, from Woodbridge, Virginia. Absolutely. Uh, just here trying to, to have that safe cyber aware conversation. Um, those in the DC area, a lot of them work for uh, the defense industrial base. And that's something that when we're working with critical industries, we need to be uh, especially uh, more secure because working for those industries, the impact that we can have on the national security and critical infrastructure for not being cyber safe, especially at our jobs, um, is one thing, but also at home because uh, spies from other nations have been known to target individuals that work in those sectors to form relationships with them and then to use them, blackmail them uh, to carry out their activities unbeknownst to the government. So um, definitely important for everyone. Hey, Ronaldo. Um, yep, absolutely. Uh, taking the time to, to bring the awareness. I mean, we should have awareness all year round, not just in October, which in the US is uh, National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Um, we need to have this awareness all the time so that individuals that are not within the cybersecurity industry are able to get that awareness and not just in October, because when you think of them doing their day-to-day -day jobs, by two to three weeks later, if you're not being refreshed of this information, uh, you're going to forget it. So security needs to be ingrained in the culture. Having these types of awareness conversations needs to happen all year round. Um, so it shouldn't just be an activity left for October. Let's see what we have here. Um, hey, Hector, you're a, a veteran with no no prior experience um, in tech. Um, what are some of the traits that you could transfer the military to bring out in your cyber interviews? Um, great question. Um, that should be only if, think of like your military training, you were prepared to land somewhere, get up to speed really quickly. Um, you might have that experience. Um, you might have the experience of uh, intelligence, that intelligence gathering and analysis. That could be another thing that you can bring up. Um, working with diverse groups, um, commanding and leadership. That that's another thing that you can bring up. There's so many different traits uh, from from the military that you can bring up. It really depends on the role that you're looking for and the traits that they're looking for within those roles or that fit that uh, job section. So one of the great recommendations of places that I love to send people is using 
the nice cybersecurity work work frame framework from CISA, um, where they break down all the different roles from cybersecurity so that you could take a look at the transferable skills. Um, I'm going to paste that here in the chat. Uh, Tyrone also mentioned persistence. Absolutely, persistence is a, another key trait. Um, I'd say persistence and resiliency. Um, if, if you're in the military, the first thing that they do is they train you on that resiliency in boot camp. Um, work out, learn, get to get into that that military culture, get into physical shape. Um, so t take that and bring it in as well. Um, so, yep. Um, I see our guests is troubleshooting. So in the meantime, we'll keep this conversation going. Absolutely sorry that uh, we're having these technical issues. Um, but let's let's keep on going until she she joins us i really want to hear her story she's also a military veteran that uh she's going to share her story from military intelligence going into realty going into cybersecurity so uh very pertinent to the question that hector just asked so um waiting for her to come on another critical skill that one of our Longtime guest uh, Simon Lindstead mentioned is critical thinking. Absolutely, you need to be able to decide uh, whether you're in the military or in the civilian world whether best practices or recommendations make sense in that situation, and not just follow everything line by line. You need to be able to have those critical thinking skills to be able to decide the best course of action um, based on what you're doing. Another interesting uh, comment from Tyrone is understanding the vision and staying true to the mission. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to those looking to get into the cybersecurity industry, one of the first things I try to hear from them is that you're here for the mission and not just for the money because they will burn out um here we go our guest sarah am... <laughs> hey sarah thank you so, so much very sorry i had all sorts of difficulties this is well, the third device i've used to log on <laughs> I, i'm i'm sorry that you had those but we were just talking about some of the the important skills in cybersecurity and troubleshooting and resiliency and persistency <laughs> are some of those skills. So um, you you definitely highlighted them. Um, I gave the 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 guests that are listening and that have been asking questions a quick intro that um, you come from a military intelligence background. So tell us about yourself. Like, what made you want to join the military and why intelligence? And then we can transition how that helped you in your current role. Sure. Um, so my name is Sarai DeLeon. Um, I like to use the handle Secure Sarai because people advise me that it's better <laughs> and you want to keep your uh, ident identity anonymous sometimes. But um, so uh, initially I joined the Air Force, believe it or not, because I was trying to be rebellious. <laughs> um, I, can't, I come from a very uh, conservative Mexican household where uh, you basically grow up 
go to college if you want to, but you get married for sure and start a family. So at 18 years old, I um, actually joined the Air Force, graduated high school, took two months off because that's what I was used to as a summer break. And then I joined and um, and to be perfectly honest, I didn't really have a lot of control over the uh, jobs that um, I selected. I just remember there was like a list, right? And you could select up to 10, I think. And Intel Analyst was not my number one pick, but it's what I ended up becoming. Um, and yeah, um, I guess they match your ASVAB scores and see if you can get a top secret clearance. And I qualified for all of those. So they took me in and th that's that. <laughs> Oh, um, in regards to your intelligence experience, what are some of the, the things that individuals that might be in a job role like that can take from their experience um, and match that to different cybersecurity roles? So I actually, in preparation to this um, interview, I looked up the school to see how much it's changed because I joined when I graduated high school, which is a long time ago in 2006, um, and it's changed quite a bit. In fact, I think they now do uh, cyber threat intel or cyber intelligence uh, is a big component of the intel field now. I don't know if it's added as a special discipline or if it's just tagged on to what I my job used to be but um, yeah for me um, it turned out to be a great experience um, I do speak Spanish that was my first language so I did uh, my six months of technical training in Goodfellow Air Force Base. I was PCS or I was uh, stationed in England, uh, which was a phenomenal you know experience right being 18 years old and being stationed there. And, uh, and I was there for three years, um, but I ended up deploying to Honduras, Central America, instead of the Middle East, which is what everybody else was doing. Um, and at the time, I thought that I was actually fighting the war against drugs, right? Because I was thinking to myself, what could we possibly be doing in Central America? But instead, it turned out to be... Um, a coup that took place right in the middle of my six months deployment while I was there. And, um, and I played a pretty significant uh, component. I was the senior analyst, which is the title they give me. But to be fair, I was the only analyst. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but worked with uh, three letter agencies and it couldn't have been a better experience. I learned a whole lot. I learned about American uh political relationships in Central and South America. Um, I just learned so, so much. Um, and, you know, for a young person that just graduated high school and has limited exposure to, you know, anything in the world, um, it was an awesome, awesome experience. So that turned out to be the highlight of my six-year career in the Air Force. Um, and then, you know, you do your six-month deployment, <laughs> you go back home, which for me, that was England. I stayed there a little longer, and then I eventually PCS to Ellsworth, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, when you're intel, you're basically supporting whatever wing, whatever aircraft uh, is assigned there. So there I was with the B-1 bombers, um, and they were very active uh, in the war in the Middle East at the time. Um, so I received my training, deployed to Qatar this time, so finally got to deploy to the Middle East. However, it is 
the wealthiest country in the world per capita, I think. So again, another <laughs> comfortable deployment compared to many others. And um, and I was there at the beginning of the Arab Spring, so I got to see that firsthand. Um, and then I came back home after my six-month deployment was over and then went right back. And that wow. was pretty much the end of my six-year um, time in the military. So, so as we think about, like... Um intelligence i'm sure you're gathering like all source analysis or in the cyber world that would be osint because you're you're looking for what's freely available out there um from the different sources social media google dark web um do, do you think that's a skill set that individuals that have been in those fields um are well prepared for if you're looking to transition into cyber? Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel like there's a big push. Um, I live in Dallas, Texas now, but I feel that uh, there's a lot of veterans leaving the service and they're being recruited and kind of like pushed into this field because um, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be Intel. It can be anything. You come with those skills and that mindset of securing data and following rules and being compliant. So all of those things are uh, great qualities to have and uh, adopt. Um, and I can't think of any other, maybe like a three-letter agency or something else, but it's definitely those government jobs that condition you to do a great job and transition into cybersecurity. Okay. Um, we have a, a question from Alex, Alex. Rhodes. <laughs> He's, he, he asked if you felt that the experience that you had within the Intel uh, field, generally your deployment is in South America, specifically helped you with your time in cybersecurity, and if you could elaborate a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, back then, because it was uh, early on, like it was, I think it was the beginning of, you know, social media and people were still catching on. I remember uh, being in high school and wanting so badly to have a uh, Facebook account, but you couldn't because at the time you still needed a uh, .edu email. So I didn't get to see a whole lot of that. Um, I do remember, however, uh, I remember some parallels to what I do now as an information security uh, engineer, but it's basically, you know, teaching everybody that there is no job too small in your unit um, to not become a target because the enemy never sleeps. Um, it could be a very uh, skilled, you know, social engineer, and uh, and you have no idea, right? So I, there's a lot of that um, happening here. So we have our security awareness program, and it has to do with training all employees, anybody who works for uh, the company. Like, yes, be aware that there we are constantly being a target. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be the janitor, whoever you are, and you could um, become, I guess, the the weak link to be able to access the data that we work so hard to protect. So there's a lot of that. Nothing technical, though. Um, I was an intelligence analyst, which means that I would take all the uh, intelligence, you know, anything from open source to top secret, um, and I would just paint a picture to uh, help 
decision makers and commanders be informed on a daily basis. So I was more of a glorified like news reporter. <laughs> um, I did a lot of briefings, um, but very little technical parts because at the time, like I mentioned, social media was not that big of a of an issue. Um, but I do remember using MySpace <laughs> for those who remember what that is um, uh, in order to test our own airmen and soldiers on base to kind of see, make sure that they were following protocol the way that they're supposed to. Social engineering. So you, yes, you, you yes. did do something. <laughs> um, but no, I, I would say a, a, a critical skill within cybersecurity is the ability to assess the risk um, and paint that picture for the business. Because oftentimes IT and security is viewed as a cost center. And if you can't paint that picture as to why the business needs to invest in cybersecurity and how you can help the business enable their mission through cybersecurity, it often becomes a challenge. So um, I think the way you described your intelligence role really relates to that critical thinking that uh, we need everyone to have within this field. Um, and be prepared for anything. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Um, let's see. What was your first civilian role in cybersecurity and how did you land that from your military background? I know you, you did a little transition between um, the military, you had another civilian role, and then you came to cyber. Um, you want to talk us through that that transition? Absolutely, yes. So when I first uh, separated the Air Force back in summer of 2012, it felt like I had more of a life in Qatar because I had deployed there more frequently and more often than anywhere else. Like I had a Pakistani boyfriend. I lived. <laughs> um, I, so I separated and I moved back as a civilian and I was a contractor for a year. Um, I lived uh, off base and... And so, you know, just uh, did a little more intel-related uh, activity there. But then eventually I had to come back home, um, went back to Oklahoma, and I quickly realized that you can't find a lot of intel-related jobs positions in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, so I was looking for those uh, opportunities at the time. You know, cybersecurity had become such a sexy field, and that's kind of when they started pushing for a lot of people leaving the service into this field. So um, I feel like I got a little lucky, but I also uh, kind of knew that I, I've never been good at school. I, I don't like the conventional route. All of my siblings did that. They went to college. They uh, all went to OU and became some sort of engineer. But I knew that I wanted to um, do something a little different and just capitalize on the experience that I already had through the military. So I moved to uh, Dallas. And um, I don't know if you guys are aware, but Dallas, uh, it's got a lot of programs, nonprofit organizations, a lot of different things that help uh, veterans such as myself. So I immediately started seeking those out, um, started with a school named LeaderQuest. I used some of my GI Bill, but that was too acceler accelerated of a program. So um, I didn't feel like I... Uh, did a whole lot with that except use my GI Bill. But then eventually I ran into a better school, which is NPower. 
And, um, and that's specifically for people, you know, out of the service, veterans and veteran spouses. Uh, it's huge here in Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, and so they were the ones that basically helped me uh, get my first civilian job. They got me an internship after the four-month full-time cybersecurity course. Um, that's how I ended up getting my Security Plus certification. Um, that's how I ended up beefing up my LinkedIn account, which at the time I didn't know was essential to uh, finding a job. And and yeah, that's pretty much um, where I got the first real lead into the field. Um, they partnered me up with a small business uh, called Beacon Hill. And so I started there as an intern uh, with another student from Empower. And then from there, you know, they, they tell you, keep applying, keep uh, practicing your interviewing, uh, mm -hmm. technical questions and answers. And, um, so, so yeah, that's how I ended up in first American, which is where I work now as a information, uh, security engineer level one. <laughs> so you mentioned that you, um, you worked with empower. We had them on the program a while back. They're great. Um, and, one of the certifications I'm guessing that you you got was the Security Plus. How do you feel that prepared you for roles in the cyber industry? It prepares you uh, in the sense that it shows you a little bit of everything there is within the cybersecurity space. So um, you can go deeper, right? You can choose to do be, maybe become a pen tester or um, do more compliance. Um, but it, it really, I feel like it, it showed me everything that cybersecurity has to offer. And then it's up to you to become either a generalist and keep tasting all of those things until you find whatever clicks to you or, um, or just becoming a little more uh, knowledgeable within one specific thing. Absolutely. Um, one of our guest comments that uh, although she's from, she's not from the military. Uh, she respects all the, all you men and women. Uh, she's Thank a you. correctional officer transitioning Thank into cybersecurity and loves your advice. Um, Thank you. H Hector also asked, what would you, any tips for vets with no experience in the field? I consider myself a vet with no experience in the field. Um, I think that if you come from like a help desk position or IT, those are really the only things that I view as um, having experience prior to entering cybersecurity. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of resources out there, especially when you're a veteran. It takes very little effort <laughs> to run into those um, in fact, I'm happy to connect you with, you know, whatever my network is. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've heard of Veterati, but there's uh, mentors. In fact, the person that asked the first question, Alex Rhodes, he has mentored me through Veterati. There's a lot of uh, veterans trying to help, a lot of uh, nonprofit organizations trying to help. If you're in this region, I'm happy to connect you or anyone uh, with the resources that I have used. Um, but then if you're not still those sources, Federati, um, to strengthen your technical skills, there's all sorts of things, uh, YouTube channels, there's try hack me, hack the box. Like it really just depends on what it is that you want to do and just start doing it. So as you, I mean, yeah, this podcast, um, is a great example. We've worked with Paul Cummings, um, 
as well as Peter Klein from Boots to Books that helps provide resources to transitioning vets. Um, as you think about the, the the statement, you just have to figure out what you like. Um, that's like the first thing I ask people when they're like, I want to break into cybersecurity. I'm like, well, which aspect of it? Exactly. Um, how did you go through your discovery journey? Like, what was your approach? Well, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that I'm there yet. I think that I'm still in the beginning stages of my career to where I'm understanding everything a little better, but it does take a long time to uh, see what it is that you um, that you prefer. So there's, you know, vulnerability, uh, vulnerability management alone, like that's huge, right? Um, knowing how to scan the assets in your network, uh, knowing just knowing how the network even works. Um, so I feel like I, I'm not quite there yet. I am focusing more on the like security awareness program um, simply because I feel like it's, it has the most in common with where I come from, but it's probably not where I will stay. Well, I mean, that, that's one of the amazing things about cybersecurity is it's ever-evolving, ever-changing. And, and you can move around whenever you want. <laughs> absolutely. And and having having that diverse approach and coming from different aspects of the field is actually a value add because um, say you started as a SOC analyst and you moved to something else. Now you know what the SOC analysts do on a day-to-day so you could figure out how you can help them best or... Exactly. You do security awareness, you're like, okay, I know how users are thinking and how to influence them. So if you're leading a team or a project or something like that, now you know how you, how you can influence them and use those sorts of techniques for, for that. Um, yeah, I don't think that you have to be um, a veteran in order to do great in this field. There's people that come from all sorts of backgrounds. I think that um, even just having strong communication uh, skills is great in this field because a lot of the time, if you have too many technical people, um, but they're not great at communicating, what's the point? <laughs> right. So anybody, anyone from any background has a lot to offer as long as you have that willingness to learn and um and you want to be here. There's plenty of room for everyone. There's a lot of open positions right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I usually translate myself when I talk to employers. I'm the, the connection between people and process and enabling the business and the technology and the engineers supporting the business to help ensure that I keep the bridge connected and doing that in a secure manner. So that communication is critical. As you try to keep up in your career, what are some of the things that you do to um, to stay sharp? Um, for me, I spend a lot of time outside of work just strengthening my skills, going after the next certs, right? There's always um, something in line, right, in the pipeline. So uh, after I graduated from Empower and got the current position that I'm in now, Sorry, there's an airplane flying right above me. <laughs> um, so immediately after that, I signed up with the Vet Tech program, which is another great program for veterans um, or I think even active duty members. I'm not sure. But as long as you have one uh, day left in your GI Bill, you can apply. And it's not hard at all to uh, get accepted. 
Um, all you have to do is apply and then make sure that you quickly find one of the approved schools so that you can get some of the funding for that fiscal year before it runs out. It runs out kind of fast. Um, so I did that and I was able to get my Splunk certification, my CEH, Certified Ethical Hacker. Um, and I already had Security Plus, which was part of that package. But yeah, continue to learn, continue to get those certs, um, find your mentors. That's stay within the field. <laughs> Don't get comfortable because it is, um, like you said, ever evolving and there's always something new to learn. Well, let's talk about mentorship because you, you mentioned it a couple of times first with vets helping out other vets um, and you helping out other people in cybersecurity. To you, what, what's, what's, how do you look for a great mentor? So um, I've done a little bit of everything before COVID times. I used to go to all the network events that um, there's a bunch of monthly ones. So Dallas Hackers, um, there's a lot, a lot of them. Uh, so that's how I started at first. But then, you know, COVID happened, changed the world. <laughs> and so I was limited to finding mentorship online. Um, and through the schools that I would attend, almost every school you uh, choose for certs or cybersecurity training, they will have some sort of um, either a career advisor or a job placement. They'll have something. They, they already built those connections for you. So it's just a matter of reaching out to people, standing out and, uh, you know, making sure that they see you. And... Uh, very, you know, once I got my my job, once now that I'm working for First American, I, I still try to keep up with all of the different uh, network events, um, because like I said, there's a lot of people looking for entry level employees um, in the field. And we all know that America loves its veterans. So they're always there to help as long as you show that you are willing to put in the work. Um, Veterati, great source. If you're a veteran, use Veterati, please. <laughs> um, and LinkedIn, reaching out to people. So you mentioned um, working full-time, lots of schools, lots of education. Um, would you say that work-life balance is a concern for those in this field? I would say that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for sure. I am a woman who is 33 years old. I have no children. Uh, I'm not married. But yes, that has quickly become a concern of mine, too, where it's like, okay, so I'm new to this field. I don't want to get comfortable. I don't want to relax. But I also should probably start thinking about what I want in my personal life, too. Um, but I think I think that um, a lot of us find the time to I don't know. You just find the time for your priorities. If you're doing, especially if you're a veteran and you're utilizing the resources wisely, just keep at it. Um, find yourself that little support network. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure you your mental health is always a priority. And uh, as long as that's the case, then who's to stop you? You know. Absolutely. I mean, I'm. Um... I've been in the industry for a while. I have a family, I have a son, but um, I still manage to 
keep up with the ever-changing field, do things like this podcast to help grow and uh, mentor people, spread the message. So definitely something you can balance in it um, as long as you're you're passionate about it, right? I think once you're passionate about it, doing the extra effort doesn't feel like effort. Um, But once you get to that stage of burnout, then it might feel um, a little taxing on you. So, wow, we've we've gotten to... (laughs) a half hour already. Um, So I want to thank you for coming on. But if you had to summarize all your advice that you've learned um, over your transition, both out of the military into cybersecurity, what would that be in one piece of advice for someone looking to follow in your footsteps? Honestly, I'm going to have to go with um, going back to the mental health part. I know that I couldn't have done it until I made that a priority for myself. Everything else is already there. Like the resources that you need, the technical training that you need, all of that is ready for you. But you have to make sure that your priorities are set, right? That it's really what you want, um, that your mental health is what you focus on first. um, And then that will help you do all the technical things that follow after that. Absolutely. Highly recommend that. And from me, I've, I've learned to figure, I've learned through my own health issues that sleep is a priority for me. And Mm -hmm. so as I look for new roles or in the future or consider my career, I consider like how, how to ensure that I do get enough sleep. So for me, an IR role might not be the type of role that I want to do because um, of how much midnight calls you might get or something like that. So uh, definitely important. Thank you so much for for joining us and for Thank sharing you your for story. Me. Really and I'm so appreciate. sorry about being so late. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, we we got to to talk about uh, cybersecurity awareness month and how helpful that is. So um, I think it was a value add for everyone all around. Um, your story was great. Thanks for all your tips and tricks. Uh, if you're following us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, hit that notification button. And then if you're listening to us after the fact on podcasts, share this podcast with all your friends, subscribe and uh, give us five stars. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you all. Thank you very much for